0: to the Back in Business podcast. I'm business journalist, broadcaster and podcaster,
1: Mickey Clark. And I'm small business journalist Liz Barkley. Last week Cardiff, this week Belfast and all without moving off the sofa, Mickey. We- <laughs> Save a fortune, We're so we? are getting so used to sitting on these <laughs> <sofas>. <laughs> when that when eventually we get to move, <laughs> uh, we'll need help to get off the sofa.
0: <laughs> yeah, my but- backside's gone numb.
1: Oh dear, I dread, I don't want to even think about that. We're on our round Britain city tour, and today, Belfast. Uh, fairly close to home for three of our team. for Declan from Straban, Simon from Lisburn, Ollie this week's producer uh, is from Balamina, and of course, me, I forgot to count me, four of the team. I'm from Antrim. Beautiful place.
0: What can I say? As in Cardiff uh, last week, there are small businesses and self-employed people Who've been doing their best to survive and thrive. And there's an air of optimism too. So let, let's get this week's gloom out of the way before we go and talk <laughs> to the Belfast guests. <laughs> I mean, there is enough gloom to talk about, isn't there?
1: Yeah. Well, the unemployment figures for a start weren't great, were
0: they? Well, they're fictitious, aren't they? Like the Are GDP
1: they? numbers.
0: So
2: Don't how you can
1: we measure on something
0: again? That, that the economy's expired. You can't measure it. It's not
1: there. It's dead. like the parrot wait till it It, starts again it's not dead it's just resting well same thing yeah it's just resting and it will blossom all over the place I mean I'm not saying it
0: won't but you know coming out with these spurious numbers which are meaningless how can you calculate
1: unemployment when you've got a furlough scheme going well, what I think what um, I didn't understand was how we'd only managed to creep up to 5% unemployment. The furlough scheme is obviously just hiding all the real oh. figures. It's got to be, because yes. we, we literally by November had only gone up by 0.1%. That can't possibly be the real case.
0: And it's February next week, and the budget is in March. What's he going to do, leave it till the end of March before he sells us? I think I'll extend the furlough scheme. I mean, where's the clarity in that? How can businesses operate if there's no clarity and we're not getting any from the government?
1: But even but even worse than that, if you think the furlough scheme is going to end, you have to start, or you should have started already, uh, with your redundancy process. And this is what's been going on all the way through. Firms have started their redundancy processes. They've told everybody their at risk of redundancy. They've talked to the people, they've decided who's going to go. And then suddenly... Oh, we'll extend the furlough scheme. Yeah, so Um, it's not fair to the companies or the employees. Yeah, but another another, uh, figure that came out of those um, uh, employment figures was the fact that the vacancies, the number of vacancies had been rising up until September. And the number of vacancies fell by 224,000. I mean, that was more than a third of the vacancies just wiped out by November. So that doesn't bode well either. Because we need to be getting people back into work at some point. So we need vacancies coming. But through. look at all the we jobs that are investing. disappearing.
0: You know, our complaint has been all along that companies don't invest. They don't invest in the UK. They much sooner take a short-term option, such as employing cheap labour, than investing in technology and expanding the business that way. Bringing in new apprentices, that sort of thing. But if you look to those unemployment numbers and you look at the vacancies, and then you look at an industry like the retail sector or the airport sector, you know, it's no wonder there's no vacancies because jobs are disappearing. And if the jobs are disappearing, you've got
1: no hope. But, Mickey, the jobs that do come on stream aren't going to come in the same sectors. So, how, and we come back to, I constantly come, I know you tell me that I, I keep saying it too much, but. We need, we need different skill sets for a different economy. We need and a different the, mindset just, by companies that say employees are not just
0: there to be hired and fired. They're there to, as an investment. If you've got a good, talented staff that's experienced and has skills in certain crucial areas, you will benefit from that. But the companies in this country, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them do not take that view.
1: Well, I'm sure a lot of the small businesses uh, who listen to this podcast and the self-employed people who listen um, will have a different take on it all because a lot of them simply don't have the money for the investment. And we need to be thinking about, you know, what, what is the funding that we need to put in in order to help them to create the jobs of the future? It was interesting that Ben, um, our editor and uh, the person who records the podcast, was saying to me this morning that he's beginning to see more jobs coming through, more jobs being advertised uh, in the creative sectors, I suppose. So there there are little green shoots somewhere, surely? Well, you say that and I hope that. But
0: when you've got theatres that have been shut down now for the best part of a year, um, music venues that are not operating where, where are these jobs going to come from who's going to go into that sector without any prospects And there are no prospects that's the no. problem it's become a mindset for a lot of people where they go and what you choose to do with them
1: I, I well my my same I question said there was a lot of the clues, trusty- didn't I Where's the strategy? Well, you, you two for have own... cheered us
3: right up, haven't you? <laughs>
1: yeah. <Declan>. Uh, <laughs> Business <laughs> Editor Declan Curry and uh, Simon McVicker are director Harry. of public <laughs> affairs policy and uh, communications. <laughs> what, what's your perspective on the week?
4: Who I'll go first. Okay. Well, I, I think from a political point of view, uh, I wouldn't underestimate the impact of crossing the 100,000 threshold in deaths has on both public thinking and on politicians' thinking. Um, I think it's quite a stark number, and probably a number that most of us never thought we would see, and um, experts are saying we can expect at least another 40,000 deaths in this cycle. So uh, I think this is focusing people on what we did right and what we did wrong. But the one thing that is constant good news for the prime minister is the vaccine and the rollout is going really well. And the development of this fourth vaccine in, is, is also brilliant news for him. Um, and I think there is a danger here that he will be judged on the vaccine rollout and not what went on before. But I do think that in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see the focus on when are we going to return to normal You know, and what is the plan? We need to know what the plan is. And, of course, the other big question is the reunion and what's happening with Northern Ireland and Scotland. There is real tension between the SNP government in uh, Edinburgh and the London government. You saw that with the Prime Minister's visit and the petty sniping of the SNP, if you don't mind me saying. I mean, he is the Prime Minister of the whole country. He should be able to go up to Scotland. But anyway, that's what's coming, that really bitter election campaign there. Uh, Going back just to the strategy, there was a very interesting report from the London School of Economics this week, which says that there are 900,000 small businesses facing bankruptcy in March, and they employ 2.5 million people if the COVID interruption loan scheme is not continued by the Chancellor. So these are the sort of decisions that government are going to have to make really, really quickly, furlough as well, and they're going to have huge
0: implications. Is and there much likelihood of that, Simon? I mean, he, he well, doesn't rush to make other decisions, does he? Well, like I Extending the furlough scheme. I,
4: the reading I'm getting is that he may well be thinking of ending this scheme, but will he replace it with anything? Uh, we don't know yet. Um, but this report was very stark. There were a couple of other reports talking about small businesses this week that had a similar picture. So, you know, even if we start to recover, then the economic consequences are going to get harder.
1: But Simon, you know, I read that report too, uh, and that's nearly another million, Uh, but um, something has got to be done because we've already got the 3 million that are completely left out of all the support schemes that we've had, Who aren't going to bounce back are they let's face it their livelihoods have gone um but uh, you know he's got to do something but whatever he does it's probably not going to be as generous as what we've seen no and all on all we're hearing is tax rises which seem completely
0: inappropriate at this this stage that's right the papers have been full of it this week the tax rises but sooner rather than later so absolutely before the next election in 2024 That's That's a lot of good to a company struggling to see the financial year through.
4: Absolutely right, Mickey. Although it could be flying a kite. Chancellors often fly kites before a budget. I actually think what will happen is he'll put in more interim measures and he will say, I'm coming back in three months' time.
1: Declan, uh, I mean, what do you think? Businesses can't cope with tax rises until they're in growth.
3: Oh, this has got to be a kite. They must surely have learned the lesson from Cameron and Osborne and the years of austerity, where in the rush to pay back uh, to try to balance the books, you end up choking off growth and then delaying the recovery and increasing the mountain of debt even greater than it was before. That's now pretty well accepted uh, economic theory and that they must, even the most ideological Of politicians must have had that seep through that into their brains uh, in particular. Um, Mickey was talking about opportunity. There is a lot of opportunity out there. We had big announcements during the week in the field of electric cars. General Motors the one of the biggest automakers in the world saying it's going to be all electric from 2035. We've got the ban on the sale of petrol and new petrol and diesel cars in the UK from 2030. That's what's provoked Nissan into saying that it's going to invest hugely in the uh, manufacture of electric car batteries in the northeast of England. There are lots of snippets around there in this whole area of climate and green energy that's going to create opportunity in the future, and the Biden administration is going to accelerate that as well. But that is a long way off. We We have to somehow have a plan that gets us from survival to growth to acceleration, and that's the type of thing that the Chancellor should be talking about in the budget, but such are the circumstances. Um, Simon, I'm sure you'll agree with me that actually all he can do at this point is just say, here's what we're doing for now, just yeah. to keep, and put the other stuff off to the line. Give some camp. sort
4: of clarity. Uh, I, I agree with that, Declan, and I think that uh, you're right. He, he is looking at survival, but I do think there's a huge opportunity here to be seized for somebody to outline a strategy for the future. Um, now, the Labour Party at the moment are doing disastrously, uh, having been net level pegging around Christmas. They're now about five points behind. The, this is such an opportunity for them to outline some vision for the future. They're not doing it. They're too looking internally. There could be an alternative figure in the Conservative Party that starts to do this. But the um, I think while we're in survivable, we still need to be trying to outline a future. And this is where the Tory backbenchers are very nervous.
3: We need hope. Where's the Obama figure in any of the parties? Yes. To... Well,
1: we, we need somebody with vision and leadership skills. That, yeah, that there is a better. <laughs> Sorry. The other,
3: the, <laughs> other, the other big story moving around in the business world this week has been the acceleration of that existing move from traditional ways of doing business to doing business digitally and online. And this week, it was the high street. Where is Debenhams going to be in the future? It's going to be on a website that's run by Boohoo. Where is Topshop going to be in the future? It's not going to be in stores employing thousands of people. It's going to be a website that's probably going to be run by ASOS. Boohoo said today that it's in exclusive talks to buy up the remnants of Philip Green's crashed empire. So that's, Uh, uh, Dorothy Perkins and Burton uh, and Wallace so you know two huge examples those two businesses alone the Arcadia business the Debenhams business that's 25,000 jobs that used to be on the high street that aren't going to be on the high street anymore.
1: Um, And I saw a report out this uh, I think uh, this week uh, looking at how government needs to think about managing digital across all of its various departments, because yeah. it's all very siloed at the minute. So maybe that's something that we can talk about on the increasing soon. Uh, increasing
0: chip and pin payments to a hundred quid. You know, yes. you wouldn't have contemplated that a year ago. There are sea no. changes in different industries around the country at the moment. And I think we will emerge from, from coronavirus, as we will do, um, with a change of, of life, the way we do things. I think that is one of them. Um, the way we work will probably be another. Um, I'm not sure that it's a route you want to rush down chip and pin changes. £100 seems sensible, but I think more and more people are going to be trading online, shopping online, and we need to get a, a system that's foolproof and take everyone with us because it's yes. no good leaving those without internet access, those who are aged infirmed, yeah, without any sort of support. Can,
4: we, I, can I just also say that, of course, the travel industry and indeed people's travel plans this year are really disrupted now Um, and the government has basically said this week don't even think about a summer holiday this year Um, and um, you know you're not allowed to go abroad unless you've got a really good reason and I think we're going to have to put up with staying at home and maybe helping our own tourist industry in 2021
1: and just on the digital point Mickey you're absolutely right we need to think about uh, not making people excluded because they're digitally yeah. excluded because they're excluded easy to do, things and, and that way easy you're, to
0: do. you're not chasing the banks down the road who are looking to cut costs they're not looking to yeah. do us any favors they're looking to That's close branches and when you've got that old-fashioned thing someone says to me the other day have you paid your gold fees i said well i've still got four or five hundred pound under the bed i can't get it to the bank because we haven't got any banks around here. They've all closed. So how do you
1: pay the bloody thing? But so I noticed...
4: Back's transfer, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, but
1: he wants to use the cash under the bed, Simon. <laughs> 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 and the, ta- and the, tax ma- the tax man's now coming for him. I think if to get some
3: shelter made out of twigs and rushes or something? <laughs> what can of life are you living
1: down there? Can I just make one point about the contactless, Mickey? for people who don't have the income to support those kind of contactless payments it's very very easy to get even well further you've got into to have debt. a bank account if the oh. banks won't give you an account how can you do chip and pin? there's that but also even if you do have the bank account it's easy to to lose track of what you're spending with contacts. because you've got to
0: be on top of it all the time so oh, you need a mobile absolutely. phone
1: a uh, declans ipad when it's working um,
0: you know, it's all there. It all adds yeah. to the cost. It's a change of life. Yeah, but Let's to, be hear- fair,
4: to be fair, let me just be fair here. Like, the, your bank will send you regular text messages or emails telling you what your financial situation is. And I do think the younger generation are not using cash anymore. And you know what? Cash is a bloody nuisance in your pocket. You two so, never used cash anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Well, never okay. carry All right, I'm going it. to I'm going <laughs> like
1: to very regal people. <laughs> I'm going to invite the voices of reason to join us. <laughs> Yeah, it's, all, it's, all get, it's all get out of hand completely. Let's turn our thoughts to Belfast. I mean, Belfast is a really rejuvenated city from the days when uh, Simon Declan and I used oh. to spend our best spent yeah. years there. Um, and But COVID has had a disastrous effect for sure, and Brexit and its impact on Northern Ireland has been making big headlines with pictures of empty supermarket shelves just for starters. Uh, Gary McDonald is the business editor of the Irish News, and we were talking before this. Uh, Gary's been the business editor of the Irish News for 22 years this week, I think you said, Gary. Um, yes. Oh, uh, give us a picture. Give us a, a picture of what's going on in Belfast.
2: Oh, well, where do you want me to start, Liz? After that, um, that fantastic introduction by you guys, um, lots of numbers, I mean, the, the data around uh, those numbers, is similar in Northern Ireland, it's, it's, it's a pretty gloomy picture at the minute. And I mean, Declan mentioned there you've been survival, you, you need to get from survival to growth to acceleration. It is survival, and it will be survival in Belfast for at least the next year. Um, I mean, some of the figures this week have been appalling. And of course, um, we have the, the problems in Northern Ireland, albeit constitutionally still part of the United Kingdom. We have all these Brexit problems, and I mean, this promised land of milk and honey um, has delivered sort of rotten fish and empty shelves, and it's a problem here in Northern Ireland at the moment. It, it really is, and uh, you touched on a few things there. You touched on um, on retail. Belfast has been decimated. Belfast is a, has been a vibrant city over the last 20, 25 years. You, you wouldn't recognize the place for those who have been around in the 70s and 80s, but it's decimated. At the moment, and you know, our main stores, our main shopping streets, Donegal Place, Royal Avenue, the big Debenhams, all those stores gone. It's, um, you know, we've British Home Stores got all those stores in the last couple of years, and really and truly, the the, the amount of jobs that have been created. And thankfully, Investor and I are doing a reasonable job in bringing in small bits of FDI, but. These are twenty and thirty jobs. They're not replacing the hundreds that are that are going on a regular basis. Um, and again, you, you touched on some of the things around, uh, and that's that's good. And we have companies. Um, uh, companies. Like Ollie um, is is from Ballymena. We have a company, Bus in Ballymena, which at one stage um, five years ago employed a thousand people. It went to the. It went into administration. Was bought out of administration by. By Joe, Joe Bamford, uh, the JCB, they're doing little bits and pieces now around these hydrogen uh, you know, buses. And in fact, yesterday, Aberdeen became the first UK city to introduce a fleet of these hydrogen buses. But, you know, there, there's there are not enough of these schemes to bring on the people at, at one side in the same numbers, sadly, that they're, that they're going on the other side.
1: Well, this is exactly the point that Mickey was making earlier how do we bridge between the two because the skills and the training will come but it takes time and you Absolutely. can't take a, you can't take a chef out of a, a restaurant in Belfast and make them into an AI expert in a fortnight can you
2: uh, well this is it I mean um, I, I've, I've been a journalist for a lifetime I can't do anything else if someone said to me tomorrow you had no job train as a chef train as an IT consultant. I wouldn't have a clue, yes. and I'm not, uh, that's probably because that's an age thing with me. But even I imagine a, a, a mid twenties guy or gal uh, who was doing a particular in a particular sector suddenly they were plunged into having to completely retrain. That's easier said than done, Much especially when, when you've done.
0: been in an area where you've had one employer, one main focus, such as Wales, British Steel. Um, you know, and the rest of the local economic. Makeup infrastructure is based on that one business. When that suddenly disappears, people are left scratching their heads thinking, well, what do we do now? Where do you train? What do you train for? It really becomes a case of on your bike, son.
2: Well, a classic example, uh, Mickey, is, um, is Ballymena. And Ballymena was one of those times that had three huge industries. They had uh, the Gallagher's cigarette factory, employing a thousand plus, we had the Michelin tire Michelin factory employing over a 1,000, and we had Right bus employing over a 1,000. In the last six or seven years, uh, they've all closed. Uh, but when you left the cigarette factory, when the cigarette factory closed, people trained to go to the tire factory. It, and they trained to go to the, the bus making factory. They're all gone. So, you know, where's the, you know, how do you choose? How do you choose, if, you are, um, if you're in a sector, how do you choose what sector to retrain? And in
0: cases, so, c- sector. C- c- you can only take so many kicks in the teeth. That's exactly. The problem. exactly.
1: And I think that question about how do you retrain is a really, really pertinent one. And who do you retrain with? You know, we're going to need an awful lot of advice for people on what to retrain in and which is the best organisation to deliver that training. Because we can't have young people in particular racking up even more debt trying to retrain uh, and finding that at the end of it they don't get jobs because the scheme, the training schemes, are no good.
2: I find it difficult um, to see where the jobs are coming in the in the same place the jobs that are going right now. There is a complete reset of the economy. We all know that the economy is a much different place today as it was in, on the first of March last year. Where it'll be on the first of February next year, who knows? And uh, I mean. Even my industry, I mean, the newspaper industry is one of those industries that has taken a kicking down the years. It has completely changed as well. Beyond recognition, if you look at the, you know, if you look at the three main newspapers in Northern Ireland, the Indigenous Newspapers, Irish, Irish News, Belfast Telegraph, Newsletter, completely different than when I joined Irish News twenty two years ago.
1: Um, let's bring in somebody who might know where things are going, and that's uh, Robin Morgan, who's owner of Little Giant Films. Um, Robin, you obviously are at the heart of new industry that wasn't really traditional Belfast industry. Um, how did it grow up, and where's it going?
5: Wow. Well, <laughs> first of all, thank you for having me.
1: Um, it's a pleasure.
5: Uh, I'm a I'm a blow-in. Um, I was uh, born and raised half in South Africa and then and then uh, South London. So. Um, yeah, I mean, but I've been in, I've been, I've been adopted by Northern Ireland since 2004. So I've been here a long time. Um, it, it's the industry started, um, and it was a little bit, uh, a a lot smaller. It's, it's easier to, to sort of grow in a space that, that had space to grow in. Um, If you look for a production company in Soho, London, you're gonna find 50, 100. And you look for a production company in Northern Ireland, there's gonna be a handful of good ones. So for for our sort of industry, um, there's lots of space to grow and there has been lots of space to grow. Um, So that's how I got here, that's how we started. Um, And the the company's been running since 2008. Um, So that sort of hopefully answers that question. Uh, Next. Um, how, how do we train um, is is that sort of what you want to lean into now um,
1: wherever you'd like to take it Robin because I yeah. know you're not I know you don't want to be pessimistic and I know you said that uh, to Ollie who's produced this podcast that you know you wanted to be quite optimistic about the future so you know tell us how you see it
5: okay wow so um, I, I definitely I don't see I don't see So how how we see how I've seen things in the past is um, Northern Ireland is a great community and I have a lot of love for, for the whole island. And um, uh, I I think, you know, we've, we've, we've enjoyed a lot of success and I think that leans on the people of Northern Ireland and the agencies we work for. And, you know, so I, I, I've always very optimistic um, because we've, we've, you know we've had some success, so um, I felt very supported in the initial lockdown um, with the with the with the, the different government support that we've we've got. Um, that was more big government than the NI government, um, and uh, we've we've been okay because the 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 work has slowed down and it and it's different. Um, a lot of the projects we're getting involved with um, our last big one was the the clandy boy at home um, and it was just very very different you know we're, we're working in a, in a strange environment where you can have only certain set crew in a certain space at a certain time so everything's taking twice as long but still costing the same and you know everyone's a bit more cautious than spending money so you know we're optimistic we're, we're still nervous I think everyone is um, we we don't know when, you know, when we get into danger zone and and when it slows down. Um, the government has kept productions open uh, when they can, and we've only had to shut down a few things, um, but then restart them slowly, and that's that's worked okay.
1: Um, yeah. You you uh, mentioned that you mentioned the word training. Yes, I mean you know obviously we've been talking about skills etc. How easy was it to find the skills that you needed, and how easy do you reckon it's going to be when you try to ratchet up again to find the skills that you need?
0: Are they Don't still going to be we... there?
5: Jeez, uh, that's that's really tough. Um, obviously, Game of Thrones was a was a big thing for for the island and us, and um, the problem with that is lots of people trained up over the eight seasons and um they got very experienced. And the other chaps that weren't on bigger shows um, did lots of little jobs and got lots of experience. So I, I would definitely choose one of those chaps that weren't locked into Thrones for eight years and they were doing individual stuff because they got much more experience doing different things. So point a camera at this, they sort of know what to do. But when you have a, a crew guy that's just has one department and one role, they're sort of limited in that role. Um, so, will the jobs be there? And the reason I rant on about that is, is when you when you're used to big sets like that, you you need to go look for another big set. So, um, Apple Shooting Foundation down in Cork, and and a lot of chaps have moved to that. And then you then will maybe go over the water and move away to go find the work because we can't sustain such a such a talented um, group of people. I think it's fair to say. Um, what i what i will say is um, we're we're involved with queens at the moment um, helping run a course say helping we're running a course a postgrad course aimed at reskilling creatives so people who have never who have been so musicians are on it for example there's a few musicians who 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 have no work and they they're retraining through a postgrad course um, in production um, and the great thing with production is you can do a lot of stuff remotely and in a controlled way and, and still be in work. Um,
1: so in a way, you're doing that investment that Mickey was talking about. You know, you're investing, uh, if not a lot of money in training course, at least you're investing time and expertise in that. Is that the way, Gary um, and Declan, that firms are going to have to be thinking, you know, create creating the opportunities for yourself to get the skills that you're going to need. Gary, is that where we need to get I mean, um,
2: as I said, there are lots of little um, pockets of, um, you know, of investment and and companies that do need skills. I mean, Robin's sector, Robin, I know that earlier this week, Netflix, for instance, they're doing their first major film production in Belfast. They're doing this, um, I think it's called The School for Good and Evil, for Good and Evil. So there's all these little pockets. And Robin's sector is one of those sectors that that really has remained um, to the forefront and uh, even throughout, as Robin said there. But he also hinted at the sector, the skills, there are different types of skills. And even though people are hugely trained, those eight series of Games of Thrones. I don't know if, um, you know, how easy are skill sets to transfer from one sector to the other? That's the issue. And uh, there's there's not anyone out there that has the skills to do any job that comes in the market. To be quite honest, simple as that. And uh, so it's, it's it's taking a punt. It's like walking into the bookies on backing the a horse in the in the ten past two at the entry. You know, five or six of those horses could win, but you might not back
3: the winner. As the son of a bookie, let me tell you that uh, if more people uh, had, uh, if so many people hadn't lost money on horses, we would have starved as children. Um, I think it's going to come as a, it's going to come as a galloping surprise to a lot of people who don't know Northern Ireland, and, uh, that there are businesses, that the economic future is in businesses like filmmaking and Netflix and that there's a big call center industry there and there's a huge industry in life sciences and in uh, cancer research uh, and all these cutting edge things that you might not associate uh, with Northern Ireland but they all require skills very specific skills and they require continuous investment of skills now there's nothing new about the skills shortage there's some figures that were um, sort of released during the week Uh, talking about which industries suffer a shortage in skills, have vacancies that they can't fill because they can't find workers with the right skills. And top of the pile, as always, is construction, then manufacturing, then utilities, then business services. It was ever thus. Liz and Mickey and Simon, we've been talking about business for a combined total of what feels like a 1,000 years. And we've been talking about skills shortages in all of those times. But we also know this that spending on adult education has fallen sharply over the last decade. And that's partly a legacy of the Cameron Osborne uh, austerity years. And we know that more skills are going to be needed in the future. The CBI estimates that nine out of 10 workers, nine out of 10 current workers will have to learn new skills for their jobs within the next decade at a cost of 13 billion pounds. Now, where's that 13 billion pounds going to come from? It can't come from the companies alone. It can't come from the individuals alone. There's a role in there for companies, for individuals, but also government as well. And Gary, that's the challenge for Stormont and other governments around the UK and the Westminster government, is getting the money to invest and investing it in the right things. Skills and training, I mean,
2: we've, I have been around long enough and that's, it's one of those things. But if you look, I mean, we had a, we had a piece in our paper today, um, Lidl, for instance, in Northern Ireland, every Lidl employee must do 27 hours of, of training a year. Now, I don't know what that's in, but it's, it's good. Other companies, I, I know companies, um, like all state, you must do 24 hours of training a year. I'm a journalist, I don't know what that, you know, what that means. And my, my editor, Noel Doran, has never come to me and said, Gary, you must go and do an hour of training on something. What? <laughs> so, so, I mean, what is training? And, and even in your own sector, Declan, now those mm. staff, um, those 27 hours of training that they have to do a year, is, is that transferable to another retail outlet? Is it transferable to another, if they move into another sector completely? What is training? What is training? Training to me is is um, something you do in your own job to enhance your ability to do that
3: job. I think tra- tra- training Pizza has to for be the sounds of it. Mickey, I was going to say training has to be a bit more than some of the training we got at the BBC, where we watched endless videos on how not to fall into canals and how not to have fireworks <laughs> blow up in your face.
1: Oh yes, the risk <laughs> the risk assessment. <laughs> <somewhere>. <laughs> And the hazardous situations uh, training, Robin. It's like unmuted- Jeremy
3: Beadle was in charge of the training department.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Robin, you unmuted yourself, and I, so I know that means you want to speak.
3: <laughs> ah,
5: um. So, uh, there's something I missed, which I thought was particularly important, and it, it was just got. I got reminded. I think Mickey mentioned it, or Gary. Sorry, um, about of the initial drives that that got me into business. I just wanted to mention it because it's it's what we need again. Um, when I was starting out I didn't know how to go from a a video grafter as it were a video a a video guy single entity into a company and the the NI government were great they ran a scheme which they would they would find you an employee and pony up better expression uh they would they would pay for half of their salary for six months and that gives an employer like me like a, a one at the time, I was a one-band one sort of chap, and I was, you know, okay, well, you will pay half his salary, and it felt like a bargain, and then you get more work because you can take more work on, and then you can sustain his full salary. And Colin was with me for four years, and then I broke my heart by moving to London to get on big stuff. So um, it's it's more stuff like that we need, um, like showing an employer that they can, they can actually survive and go, from just survival into into making it work, um, so th- there's that for me that I just think needed said. Uh, we need more of that. And uh, Josh, um, our, our lead editor, he's he's we've been training him as a colorist, and and that that again is is individual based. Like you're gonna have to want um, you're gonna have to want someone that wants to train, wants to learn, and wants to be better at their job, and wants to you know do well and that's that's exactly what he's been doing so he's been grafting we've bought him extra hardware to work from home with and he can he he's just hit the ground running because he's that sort of individual um and he's you know works hard and that's just he's been self-training to give himself more opportunity and he's now been six months in we've had a, a a senior guy our colorist that we used for years based in London, um, has been holding his hand and critiquing his work and helping him grow. And we've we've been funding that, um, which is great. And this, he's now taking on jobs purely for that role. So, you know, he's now created a new revenue stream um, sounds very capitalist, but for us and for himself, you know, which is great. He wants the business to be successful so we can be successful and we can all just keep growing and moving. Um,
0: that's that's what they call investment, yeah, basically. Um, yes. Gary, tell me as an outsider, um, our sentiment is at the moment with the Brexit deal because the, the, the feeling amongst some politicians, the, what they're trying to convey is that Northern Ireland has been sold down the river. Um, with regards to Brexit, is that in fact the case? And what does it mean for companies like Robin um, for the future? You know, how do they see the future now?
2: Ricky, um Brexit, we knew uh, from the word go that Northern Ireland, having this land border with the EU, the only part of the United Kingdom, it would be difficulties. we've had four, the guts of five years of fighting and now we're here, we're at it. And we have the Northern Ireland Protocol, the, the border down the RIC, that was meant to make things all very smooth. Um, there have been hundreds of problems in virtually every sector. I mean, every day there's a new story. We, we, I can spend my life writing Brexit stories right now, and that's, that's not even talking about COVID stories. Uh, this, I mean, today, for a, a classic example this morning, um, the free movement of the, of the military. The MOD has said that um, they must give 15 days notice and fill in a, custom de- a customs declaration declaration to move a kit from GB to Northern Ireland. Now, this is the, the UK armed forces. So within your own jurisdiction, you can't move freely. That's just this morning's story. I mean, yesterday or the day before, we had a story about eels, the Loch eels. Eels. Um, because of the protocol, most of the eels are consumed in Europe, so they, they take their eels and sell them into um, uh, the EU, but their big outlet for Loch Eels is Billingsgate Market in London. They can't sell them now to, because they can't bring them back into the UK, or into Britain, should I say. It's the UK, we could get confused, UK and Britain. Uh, you know. So these guys, uh, Loch Ness Eels this week, were left with 50 tonnes of eels, a half a million quid's worth, can't sell them. So every single, you know, I, I could go, I could bore you to death with daily stories. There are li- hundreds of little stories. Um, uh, a lady yesterday mentioned about she, um, she orders her wine off a company in, in in Europe. The wine comes now, she has to pay tariffs on, on the wine. Um, Amazon have said they're not delivering hundreds of products to Northern Ireland. We talked earlier about, you um, the online, you know, stores like Debenhams going online. Amazon are this behemoth, you know, of you know, movement of online goods. We can't get certain stuff now. It's it's a minefield, Mickey. And, you know, it's just, if these are teething problems, they're pretty severe teething problems. Um, yet London don't seem to want to know. The Secretary of State, Brandon Lewis, oh, yeah, there's no problems. There's no problems. You try telling that to virtually every everyone who trades through, not even with Europe, trades between Northern Ireland and Scotland, Wales, or England. It is abysmal at the moment, and I mean I could talk forever on this, but your podcast is going to run out of space, so. <laughs>
3: So, they, no, so I, the poor old the poor old eels can make it all the way to the Sargasso Sea in the Caribbean where their breeding ground is and swim all the way back to Loch Ness, but they can't make it across the Irish Sea. They can't there make was, it across, uh, yeah. There, there was a discussion, Gary, during the week, um, I, I saw this on Twitter, with people in Northern Ireland who'd ordered furniture from companies in Great Britain, and the companies in Britain had said, We can no longer deliver to Northern Ireland. And some politicians, I I, I think it was Naomi Long from the Alliance Party, responded on Twitter saying, actually, you can deliver. You're allowed to deliver. You've chosen not to because it requires a bit more paperwork. But these smaller companies are saying, hang on a minute. We're a small business. We haven't got teams and teams and teams of people to do all this paperwork anymore. So it's no longer economically worth our while to do so. I think that's the bit that sometimes gets missed in the political discussions.
1: But Declan, this is the thing that we've been saying right since we started at the beginning of May. These are mm. small businesses. You know, these. I, I don't think politicians understand how small businesses operate. I don't think they understand the mindset of people who run small businesses, who actually, you know, want to provide a livelihood and a home for their family first and foremost. Uh, want to create jobs want to be creative they don't want to be filling in forms and they haven't got senior you know executive financial officers and heaven only knows uh, to do all of that stuff for them it's uh it's a you know big business runs differently
3: Uh, we mickey we we always joke about eels being a traditional east end of london uh feast you're closer to the east end than any of us have you ever tucked in
0: um, used to years ago, you, you don't these days. They've become far too expensive. And um, mm. you know, my mother would eat jelly deals, which I abhorred. Um, but <laughs> stew deals, fine. And, and you still do occasionally get them in restaurants. It's the same with oysters. I'm ten mm. miles from Whitstable, where you get the native oysters. The price has gone through the roof. The demand is now from Europe. Brits, Brits don't mm. eat oysters yeah. like they used to because they're too expensive and they're not available. It's,
2: the it's now, eels. 80, it's 80%, 80% of those lockdown e- eels go to the EU. Um, I, think, yeah. I think the Netherlands is probably the biggest area. The Netherlands are big on eels to you. Um, but, you know, so as, as Declan said, it's, it's uh, you know, these eels, these journeys that the, the eels make from little small eels or whatever you call a small eel, I
3: don't
1: know what you call a baby. it, baby. Eel, elves elves, 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 yeah. elves, Elves. elves. Oh, yeah. is, yes.
3: something like that. Do you know, I've, I've eaten eel steak once, and it wasn't in Northern Ireland, and it wasn't in London. It was in Latin America, and there, it's a delicacy.
1: Um, on the on part that note. On that note, um, Gary, <laughs> Gary, the stories are the things that bring it home, as you know, because you're a journalist. The stories that you've told are bringing home what's going on in Northern Ireland. Will you come back when we discover whether or not we're talking about teething problems or if we've got much bigger issues? So Will you now come back, lad? This. Absolutely. I mean, look,
2: <laughs> um, we have had... We're, we're, we're a month into you know you know, from... Uh, to, to me, so we're four weeks... Let's see what happens in the first six months. There is these grace periods. There will be teething problems. Interestingly, um, you talked about the paperwork that that firms in GB have to do. Northern Ireland, I have to say, because we knew what was going to happen on small businesses, they they got their paperwork done. There was a myriad of acronyms, the TSS and all all these things. Northern Ireland got its paperwork in order, and small businesses here knew what they needed to do. Companies in GB didn't. And that is now. And as Declan said, it's the easy option for them to say, "Well, look, if we're only doing a small bit of trade in Northern Ireland, uh, will we not bother with the paperwork? It's too, too, it's too much of a hassle. We'll not bother doing it." But you know what? You know, you're losing customers. Who needs to lose? Who wants to lose customers now? It's they've, they've got to do it. Companies in, in GB have got to realise that if they do want to keep these trade uh, routes open with Northern Ireland, well, um. Take us back to trading Get someone in that small company to do a couple of hours training on the paperwork, and uh, otherwise they're going to lose that small. Maybe it's a small bit of trade with Northern Ireland, but you know they've got they've got to do this. We've got to overcome these teething problems, and I I would love again. I mean, it's one of those things we all talk about it. We'd love to have a crystal ball. Who who knew in on in March last year where we would be today? I would like to see. Where we are with Brexit next year, I do think a lot of these problems might be ironed out, but will they? Who knows? Who knows?
1: Well, we're we're coming back to you on a frequent basis to find out what's going happy, on. Happy
3: to talk. Lucky you. Lucky you. Yeah. Thanks. They're, <laughs> well, they're, um, they're,
2: called,
3: they're called Elvers, by the way. Um, elvers yes, yeah. elvers, uh, and, yeah. and they they also Thank have ke- for they, Google also, and Declan. they also have teething problems because they have very sharp teeth. what do we do without google
2: what do we do without google (laughs) Tech?
1: just just before we wind up robin can i just ask you look we've got four graduates here who've graduated uh in the media into the world of media um and you've been talking about you know how you're investing in training and so on what's your advice to them
5: um Stay other, than applying,
1: other than applying to you for a job,
5: <laughs> <laughs> um, stay positive. Um, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Go make your own stuff. Um, if you're working for yourself or you're looking for work, set yourself a weekly project, something related to what you studied. And because you never know mm-hmm. as, as a creative how you grow into the stuff. Um, and um, yeah, don't be afraid of trying something new. One of our guys was admin for the council and he turns out to be an amazing creative and he just didn't know it yet. So, um, uh, I would strongly recommend just keep the faith, keep working away and stay positive. Um, cause it will, it will get better and it's going to bounce back and it, and it absolutely will. Um, Well Well, thank you for that
1: because these are four amazing creatives I will tell you because we've been working with them for the last few months and we're really really uh, dependent on them and they are terrific um just before we go Simon you know your brother uh runs a small business in Northern Ireland he's been telling us for months that there were going to be problems mounting up um what's your take on what's happening
4: well my brother's saying what Gary's saying and um uh, you know, he would back that up. My brother says that um, the COVID crisis is sort of disguising the Brexit problems. And he feels that, it, you know, the politicians are getting away with it because of that. He is scathing about the Stormont administration, who he thinks hasn't got a clue. And he's not much uh, much happier with the UK government. Um I do believe that from a political point of view, this is all very uh, dangerous for the Conservative government here in the UK. I think that people who were not necessarily voted before to go into United Ireland will be looking more, from a business and economic point of view, what benefit there might well be in being one island in the EU and if, as gary says if these british companies just can't be bothered to trade yeah. with the north that's another that's another why, reason to look to the republic but saying that the republic just simply doesn't have the budgets that the uk government has and um you know people in northern ireland might even might face you know cuts and benefits and things like that if they went into the irish republic so there's lots of swings and roundabouts but it's an ongoing
3: situation. Well, There's there some, there some benefits in the Irish Republic are fantastically wealthy in comparison. Uh, with what's paid in Northern Ireland, but the big differential is spending on health and the standard of uh, the health service in uh, north of the border and that south of the border. I didn't realize that we were allowed to disclose yeah. the identity of Brother McVicker. Right? I thought he was the yeah. deep throat of this
1: podcast <laughs> and,
3: and, and could not be named.
4: <laughs> well, you know, I, I wanted to uh, him to come on and uh, push his vegan mayonnaise, but he wouldn't do it.
1: Well, we'll get we'll get them next time, Declan. <laughs> what do we need to be looking out for this week?
3: Well, uh, here's Something? a sign of optimism. Uh, when uh, a study was done to try and determine the cities in the UK most likely to become the next big technology hubs, on the list, Belfast, Dundee, and Exeter. This, according to the organisation that used to be known as Tech UK, is now calls itself Tech Nation. They've looked at the balance between. Really small companies just starting out, companies that are in the early stages of growth, companies that are in the late stages of growth. London and Cambridge have been sort of the best at this for time immemorial, but it says those three are the ones that are most likely to catch up. Less good news for pigs this week. Britain's farmers say that because of Brexit, they now have 100,000 pigs that they can't sell in Europe, they still have to keep on the farm, they still have to feed, and they can't slaughter so they're asking the government for financial help.
1: Oh, I love pigs. <laughs>
3: well, if your garden's big enough.
1: <laughs> no, no, I could only take. I could only. He take wouldn't one. slaughter it. Yeah. It'd be a pet.
0: Walking down Islington High Street on a lead. Yes, of course it
3: would. <laughs> teaches teach, how, it, teach it how to knit and speak foreign languages. Yeah, yeah.
1: listen, they're very intelligent. They're very, they very intelligent creatures. So it wouldn't be a difficulty. Some of them to become journalists. Snakes <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. in the trough. Okay, let's 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 go before before this de- degenerates further. <laughs> Thank you very much to Gary and Robin for joining. Uh, the madness that is back in business team. Uh, Simon, Declan, Mickey, uh, thanks ever so much. And of course, without Ollie, Ben, George and Harry, we wouldn't have a product to put in the podcast. So thanks ever so much for all of that. Next week, we hope to be in Glasgow looking at the situation there. Catch up with all our conversations, our interviews uh, on our website, backinbusiness.org.uk. If you want to take part, email us at uh, contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk and find us on LinkedIn and Twitter at business underscore backing. See you next week.